Welcome to the TV Deets Podcast. My name is Brett and I'm the guy behind the blog. An extension of tvdeets.com, join us for a brand new episode each week as we break down the latest unscripted news and ratings and share exclusive piping hot tea on all of your favorite reality shows. Now, let's get into it. and welcome to the TVD's podcast. Grab a cup of coffee or tea or maybe an adult beverage because we have oh so much to talk about. On this week's episode, I'm breaking down the Real Housewives of Potomac trailer and giving you some exclusive tea about season eight. Also, my thoughts on the Uba and Aaron situation in Anguilla on the Real Housewives of New York City and why the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City's Whitney Rose needs a better social media and PR team. Plus, have Real Housewives of Orange County fans finally turned on Tamara Judge? All of this and more coming up on the next hour of the TV Deets podcast. Well, everyone, I think it might be happening. I might be slightly enjoying the Real Housewives of New York City reboot. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but this week's episode was a supersized episode, and we really got to see, you know, the second half of that issue between Uba Hassan and Aaron Litchie, and it was dramatic. So the New York ladies are finally bringing some drama, and they're giving us something to talk about, although... I do have some points that I want to make that I feel like are kind of being glossed over, at least from what I'm seeing on social media. So, like I said, on Sunday's episode, the, you know, the women are in Anguilla. It's the second or third part of the trip. I'm not sure at this point, but this trip has been, you know, really boring. Let's be real, right? Like, the New York City housewives were known for their vacations. Now, they were known more for, like, falling off a table and hitting their head on the floor or, you know, taking a shit in the hallway in Cartagena. But, like, this is what the New York ladies were known for. It was for their crazy vacations. So we get that kind of, like, working mom mentality in New York City and then they go away and it's, like, drunken girls gone wild for days. Now, over the years, many a housewives have had issues with the partying on the Real Housewives of New York City. Aviva Drescher comes to mind. Take a Xanax, calm down. Ugh, you guys, old school Roni vacations, like there is nothing better than that. But anyways, this is a new cast and this cast doesn't drink. They don't really do much and they don't like to hang out with each other in between scenes, but I'll get to that later. So anyways, we're in Anguilla with the girls and, you know, the episode started with Uba taking Aaron's sunglasses off her face and then, you know, saying she's going to keep them for 45 minutes because that's how long Aaron had taken her phone the night before. Now, this joke or this prank, whatever it is, has just gone on so long. Like, I don't even remember how it even started. I feel like there was someone throwing someone in the pool 
I'm not really sure how it started, but it's been going on for the, you know, the last couple days, and it's, you know, come to a head at this point. We see that moment that was teased in the trailer for months and months of Uba taking the sunglasses off of Aaron's face, and you can see Uba kind of backing away. She puts her arms behind her back, and she says, I'm going to take your glasses for the next 45 minutes, and she storms out to those little cars that they've been driving around the island. Now, Okay, here's where I here's where I have some issues, guys. Regardless of what you think, whether you think Uba's behavior was over the top or her reaction was heavy-handed, we have to talk about Aaron and Aaron's inability to handle any sort of confrontation. This is the Real Housewives. All of these women knew what they were signing on for when they decided to do this reboot, regardless of if they thought they were making a new show, a classier show you know, whatever. They all knew this is the Real Housewives. Confrontation is going to be part of, you know, the drama and part of your time on the show. So I'm not really understanding Aaron kind of completely breaking down. Aaron Litchie is 36 years old. Now, I don't want to say my age on the pod, but I'm in my 30s, my early 30s. I'm younger than Aaron. I don't know anyone who would kind of fold and just start crying like that. Like, to be honest, I found it... I I don't know, guys. I don't even have words. I found it very odd. This is someone who was apparently born and raised in New York City. This is someone who had quite the, you know, career as a real estate agent. This is someone who is supposed to be sophisticated. And this person breaks down and starts crying almost immediately. And you see her kind of go into this strategy of okay, maybe I'm like, I can't face off against Uba because Uba's too much of an adversary for me. So my next strategy is I'm just going to get all the women to kind of feel bad for me. And maybe then I will have some support in going up against Uba. So I saw Erin kind of like those wheels turning in her mind. I could see it behind her eyes very early on. And I will say before the women actually left for uh, the bar hopping that they were going to do that day, I don't know if people are misreading Uba, but she was serious when she took the glasses off of Aaron's face, but she then was joking when she said she was taking it for 45 minutes. Like, you could see on her face she had a little smirk there. So again, I don't know if people are just not picking up on that or they're losing some of the humor, but definitely think this is a miscommunication. Fast forward, Aaron cannot let go of this situation with Uba, and it's interesting because Sai and I feel like some of the producers are trying to paint it as if Uba kept going on and on and on. But from what I saw, it was really Aaron that kept bringing it up. Any opportunity, you know, Aaron had to actually squash it. She didn't want to take that opportunity. She wanted to keep it going. So, I mean, even at the bar when Uba's timer goes off and it's the end of the 45 minutes, Aaron, you know, instead of just like using that opportunity as a moment to squash this drama, she keeps it going. So she says, oh, I need someone to touch these glasses before I get them back. And she's like, oh, thanks, Jenna. Thanks so much for finding my sunglasses. She puts them on, and she just goes, okay, Uba, well, next time, I don't know, just be a normal friend and talk to me like a normal friend. And it's like... (laughs) Shut the fuck up! Like, she gave you your glasses back. It's been 45 minutes. The joke on both sides has gone on way too long. But you're, like, Aaron, you keep going and you keep pressing Uba. If someone said that to me, I'm going to go right back at you and we're going to keep arguing about the same thing. So 
again, I don't really understand that. Fast forward, they're drinking. I don't really even know if they're drinking. They're pretending to drink. It doesn't seem like they're having too much fun at this bar. Elvis, the bartender, and Jenna Lyons, they're having fun. Everyone else, I'm not so sure. (laughs) But basically, Erin just keeps going on and on. She does seem to have Jenna Lyons on her side. Jenna, with some cringe comments this episode, like, come on, Uba, sweetie, just give the phone back. Like, again, she's 36. It was no concern when Uba's phone was missing the night before. She is supposed to be able to be fine and just move on and, you know, not need need it to contact her family. But she tells Erin she's taking it for 45 minutes and all of a sudden, oh, please, sweetie, please give her her phone back. Like, I don't even understand it. It's so stupid. The entire argument, you guys, is so stupid. But here they are. They have me talking about it. So, Credit to them on some level because they got me activated. Now, this goes on and on, and it's just kind of this back and forth this whole day. I mean, it's raining on Anguilla, I think in part due to, you know, (laughs) God being like, these women need to shut the fuck up, and you are getting drenched because it's just going on and on and on. Fast forward, they get back to the house, and this is one of the more... I don't want to say iconic, it's like iconic with a small eye, but when we have Uba and Aaron sitting out for like their 18th argument that day, you have Jessel in the hot tub uh, taking notes, and it's so funny. I mean, clearly she's texting her family and friends, she's not taking notes like Brynn and Sai were, you know, cackling up about a, a level up or whatever, but... You know, even if she was, Jessel is a prepared bitch, and she knows that, you know, despite the niceties that you guys are throwing around, that you guys are not real friends. So, kudos to Jessel for keeping the receipts. I like a prepared queen, so I'm here for it. But after this whole, you know, conversation back and forth, Aaron and Uba, somehow everyone gets in the hot tub, and it continues again. And basically, the women kind of start telling Aaron about all the issues they have with her, so... Bryn brings up, you know, you basically called me a husband stealer, and Aaron's like, well, I called you a social climber, now she's, Bryn's upset she was called a social climber, and Aaron's like, in her confessional, she's like, well, I'm not talking shit, like, everything I'm saying is true, so it's like, if it's true, then what's the big deal? And obviously that doesn't go over well with the women, and they try to tell her, listen, you're talking too much shit, it's coming back to us, and, you know, you're talking about both sides of your mouth. Now, again, what does Aaron do, 36 years old? Fucking folds like a napkin and starts crying again. And, you know, we just saw the Real Housewives of Orange County. We saw what a a gang up can look like on vacation or a gang up after a season of drama. This is not what the New York ladies were doing. Like, Aaron has had a free pass pretty much this entire time. We've seen this from her before. She storms out and cries. We've seen it, like, at that Christmas, you know, I'm sorry, guys, I didn't even remember half of their events or, like, what the scenes were. It's so boring. But anyways, there was an event a few weeks ago. It was, like, a Christmas thing. She stormed out of that. She's very flaky. She cannot handle it. And, you know, somewhere in this episode, too, she ends up calling her dad, which I have a close relationship with my dad. You know, love my dad. If you have your dad on this planet and you're able to give him a phone call, no shade. You should do that. But when you're a real housewife and you're 36 years old and you have like a couple kids and a husband and you're on this trip and you're a woman and you're part of the new reboot and you're supposed to be like this badass, you know, strong lady, 
I just thought it was very weird that you're calling your dad. Like, I don't know if it's like you want to make your dad a character on the show. I think we'll see more of that later on. I know he was at the premiere party for Roni. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you just want your dad on the show or what it was, but I felt like calling, you know, Aaron calling her dad and basically lying about the situation with Ubo is very weird. And there's just a lot of microaggressions. Like, I'm going to come out and say it. There's a lot of microaggressions. You know, Uba's aggressive. Uba, you know, got in my face. She, you know, and I'm scared of Uba. I'm scared to be your friend. Like, what the fuck is all of that about? Like, I honestly don't understand it. You take someone's, you know, uh, sunglasses or uh, cell phone, sorry for four hours the night before and the next day they pay you back this way and like you completely fold and then you're scared of them like how did you go from being close friends to being scared so clearly like you know your story's slipping right like i'm just not seeing aaron's point of view i'm sorry guys like i see a lot of comments online that people thought you know uba was being you know over the top or extra and isn't that the real housewives so you're mad at uba for being extra but you're not upset with aaron for crying and storming off all the time and lying and talking shit out of both sides of her mouth about all of these ladies like i don't understand so you guys know how i feel i've shaded aaron in my uh, instagram story numerous times this is a cast of Karens, and you guys are starting to see that come out. So, I mean, even we heard Sai. I thought it was just really gross. Like, Sai, you know, has this whole confessional, and she's like, you know, Uba's right, talking about black women and how, you know, they get called aggressive, and if they show any, you know, signs of emotion, it's they're handled completely differently. And then she goes on to say, but that's just not the situation here. I just don't see that situation here. And again fuck you side like i don't understand these women like if we've learned anything from the last few years it should be you know if you're a white person like me sometimes it's okay to shut the fuck up and let uba explain how she feels aaron and and you can just say you know what i may not understand it but i completely i i hear you and i get your perspective and i'm, I'm trying to understand and i want to understand i don't hear that from aaron i hear aaron playing the victim and Uba's handling these women, you guys, very carefully because Uba knows if she throws any of these comments out, the fans are going to do exactly what they did to Ebony. They're going to do to Uba. So I just think that's very ironic that we rebooted this show in part to have a more diverse New York City. And now we supposedly have that more diverse New York City and you still have Karen women on the cast telling Uba that she doesn't know what she's talking about and she's wrong for feeling the way she feels. Like, give me a break. So I've seen a lot of this on social media that, like, Uba taking Aaron's sunglasses off her face was, like, too far. Again, you guys, these are supposedly friends. So if their whole thing about being close friends is true, I don't know why we have these rules about, you took my sunglasses off my face. End of discussion. We're no longer friends. That's a violation. You're friends or you're not. So I, I'm not really getting it. I do think it's blown out of proportion. I think without Uba, <laughs> this trip would have been a snooze fest and you know i would really just love aaron to take some accountability i would love sai to shut the fuck up she doesn't know what she's talking about she's just a shit stirrer so she can go aaron i would love to see some accountability jessel keep doing what you're doing because you're keeping these girls on their toes uba i feel for you you're doing what you can with this <laughs> this group of unsupportive biatches but keep doing you Jenna Lyons, I mean, you guys, Jenna Lyons cannot be coming back to this show. I've said it on the podcast before. 
She's barely involved in the drama, barely wants to, I feel like, film the show. I mean, they're dropping the reunion looks later today. I'm recording this podcast on Friday, September 29th, and Jenna Lyons wore jeans to the reunion, and I'm convinced it's because she doesn't give a fuck and she will not be coming back. You know, there's been some chatter about that where she has said publicly she doesn't want to be defined as a real housewife, etc., etc., And even on this trip, I mean, we see her on this trip take multiple breaks. She needs to go to her room. She needs to do her business, yada, yada, yada. And that's what I meant at the top of this segment when I said that this cast doesn't really hang out with each other in between scenes. Like, clearly they're showing up for the hot tub scene. They're showing up for the dinner at the beach. Like, when call time says you have to be there, they're there. And when they're not, it doesn't seem like they're interacting. So Jenna's, like, in her room doing her own thing. I was just thinking the whole time we would never have gotten that with the other New York City cast like they would have been sleeping in each other's beds they would have fought about 57 other fucking things in those three days they would have gone out and actually interacted with other people like these trips would have been completely different but like I said I'm slightly enjoying New York City at this point I'm team Uba though you guys and I'm gonna be team Uba till I think this thing goes down because she needs our support but like I said, without Uba, I don't know, would this episode have been as great? So let me know what you think about The Real Housewives of New York City. What did you think of the Anguilla trip? And what do you think we need to see from the ladies as we head towards the season one finale? Let me know. Time to talk about The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Now, I said on the podcast last week, Salt Lake City had one of its best episodes ever. So funny. The Palm Springs trip is delivering on so many notes. The season overall, the cast is great. Things are in motion. We're moving in the right direction. Live ratings are extremely low, which has me slightly worried. But like I said, the content is there. Now, (laughs) we were having such a good time with Salt Lake City until our good friend Whitney Rose had to slide in with some drama. So, I'm not sure if you guys missed this, but here's what happened. Just a few days ago, I feel like five days ago or so, Jenny, who was a full-time housewife on season two of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, before she was fired for her disgusting racist Facebook posts that she had made, she posted a photo with Whitney and said... Congratulations at Whitney Wild Rose on your collaboration with Monkey's Draper. Everything was amazing and beautiful. Keep doing fabulous and thriving like a wild rose is supposed to. And she attached a photo of herself with Whitney. On the next photo, it's her and her husband. And then it's just like a few photos of like Jenny posing like she thinks she's a, mo- a model at this store. Um, we see some portrait mode. It's a questionable Instagram post in general, guys. But the first photo is a portrait mode, Jenny and Whitney. And Whitney is smiling like, you know, we're good friends. Jenny has her hand around Whitney's waist. Obviously, this shook up the fandom. You know, Whitney was, uh, basically, Jenny was fired, sorry, for being racist. And here you have Whitney taking this photo with Jenny, who is a former employer, like employee of the show she's on. And just someone that, like, borderline no one likes. The only people who like Jenny are racist people. I'm sorry. So, that's where we are. Obviously, when this was posted, 
Whitney got a lot of backlash because people are like, what the fuck, Whitney? Like, you're supposed to be, you know, someone who's forward thinking. You're supposed to be cool. We put Jenny in the past and here you are with Jenny again. And, you know, Whitney has this kind of past. She has, you know, it's Salt Lake City, right? This is Utah. She has some, you know, mega right wing friends. And, you know, I'm up here in Toronto, Canada. This is a completely different world for me, guys. I'm not going to say you're not friends with people with different political ideologies, but you don't really be friends with people with extreme views. So Whitney's danced in that category, okay, before. We've seen this type of stuff from her before. Now, like I said, fans were furious, and Whitney ended up tweeting, and she said, y'all shut the fuck up about Jenny. She is not my friend. I didn't invite her to this public event. She showed up, shocked the shit out of me, but showed remorse. I don't stand by her beliefs or what she has done. I snapped a photo and moved on. You should do the same. Now, she actually posted a pretty crazy video to her Instagram story, like yelling at the fans and calling us haters. Now, I want to play that clip for you because you you have to hear it in its entirety. You know what, everyone? I hate that I have to do this on a Saturday after enjoying a quiet day with my family. Um, But fuck all you haters because I am not friends with Jenny Wen. I did not invite her to my event. She showed up to my event that I was hosting, which was a public event with her own camera crew, okay? She came up to me, she apologized, said she felt bad for everything that had happened. She is not my friend. I do not stand by what she had posted, her beliefs. But if someone says, I'm sorry, I'm gonna snap a photo and move on because what was I gonna do? Create a scene at my business event? No. She stood by me for a minute, snapped a photo, moved on. So you all should too, thank you. No, Whitney. Where do we even begin with that? So basically, Whitney's thoughts are, hey, she showed up at this event that I was hosting. It was in a public store. She came up and apologized and took a photo with me. And I said, sure. And it's like, Whitney, shut the fuck up. You know you should not have taken this photo with Jenny. And let's replay that situation. So if you're hosting an event, I don't care if it's not your store. You're hosting an event. It's your brand, your name, Whitney Wild Rose, all over it. And this person shows up, and this is someone who was fired from your same television show. Like, this isn't a random friend. This is a former Bravo employee. And they show up, and they use you for a moment. You you have a choice in that moment. You can let Jenny use you for that moment, or you can say, you know what, Jenny, I don't really think this is the time. I'd love to talk to you later about this, and push her off to the side. And yes, Whitney, that's what you should have done. Now, if Jenny then goes and creates a scene, that is Jenny creating a scene, not you. That is you holding your ground, having boundaries, and actually learning from the situation. But instead, you're going to pass it on the fans, you're going to call everyone a hater, when really it's your own stupidity and short-sightedness that got you in this situation. And... You know, we don't need to nail Whitney to the cross for this, guys, but come on. Her response here is completely ridiculous and tone deaf. And it didn't really go over well with fans. I blogged about this on tvdeets.com, and a lot of people are just really disgusted by the fact that not only did she take this photo, but then she's, you know, basically telling everyone to fuck off. Like, that whole response didn't go over well. I had one, uh, I blogged about it on tvdeets.com, like I said, and some of the tweets are really interesting so listen to what one viewer had to say 
It's revolting how Whitney denounced her friend she filmed with for being part of January 6th, but never condemned Jenny for making fun of black people being killed by the police. It's almost like she waited for everyone to forget to invite her to her event. Fake ally. Here's another tweet. It's not your apology to accept Whitney. You do understand that Jenny didn't target you, right? She targeted Mary Cosby. Mary is the only person to an apology. You said Jenny came with the camera crew. That means you got her the moment she desired. Come on now. Here's another take. You could have simply accepted her apology, although it's Mary's to receive and declined the photo op and smile. That's the point. She used you for clout and you co-signed her BS. There's no moving on till complete acknowledgement. So there you go. I mean, it's a pretty clear consensus. Like I said, anyone supporting Whitney or Jenny in this is probably racist and on the wrong side of history anyways. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. So, I mean, everyone is spot on. And like I said, when she showed up and whether she had her own camera crew or whatever, it's, it's a portrait mode photo. So I don't know. Is it a cell phone? Is it a professional camera? Regardless, I don't know what she means by camera crew. But anyways... Yes, you could have declined the photo. People do that all the time. Like, I, I don't know. I've never taken a photo with someone I didn't want to. So I just don't understand people who said, oh, I was forced into this or this just happened. Like, no, you're an adult and you have, you know, choice in this. Now, I shared some of this, you know, obviously blogged about it. Like I said, shared it to my story. I did get an interesting DM that I thought I'd read to you guys just because it was kind of funny, but... I shared the photo of Whitney and Jenny and then a few other posts with just some funny shade and Whitney Rose's husband actually DM'd me. He said, really? And I said, sorry. And he said, all good. That one stung a bit. And I'm like, okay. So basically, Justin Rose is watching the stories. He is seeing what you guys are saying about Whitney and he doesn't like it. But again, you know, with all due respect to Justin and Whitney, has nothing to do with liking them or not. I mean, her response, like, again, was just so misinformed and like, just terrible all the way around which is why i'm saying hey whitney you need a new pr team you need a new social media team even your tweet like she tweeted this video statement and she goes rh she's the hashtag rhoslc at bravo tv at peacock by the way at mary m cosby okay whitney let's think about that why the fuck would bravo and peacock want to be tagged on a tweet where you're telling the fans fuck off haters like <laughs> <laughs> these women don't understand like the fan base is what keeps you going okay i need to make that very clear without the real housewives fans there is no real housewives and i can almost bet you there would be no real housewives of salt lake fucking city okay whitney so let's be real let's take a step back take our personality and our own you know personal feelings out of it and just try to stop and say hey why are people upset instead of explaining away all of this I just don't understand why Whitney couldn't see what was wrong with that photo. And now, keep in mind, this photo is still up. Jenny has this photo up on her page. There are a bunch of racist, inappropriate comments all over it, under it. Like, someone just commented, LOL, all the white supremacists in these comments. It's, like, crazy. So, Whitney knows what she's doing when she's taking a photo with Jenny. And then, Jenny knows what she's doing when she's posting it on her Instagram. She's getting the attention she wants. She's thirsty AF. She's someone who will never be ever seen on television again, should never have been cast. And I, you, you guys, if you listen to this podcast, you know the issues with casting on these shows. But this is just absolutely ridiculous. Shouldn't have even happened. If I were Bravo, I'd be pissed. Like, I'd be saying, listen, you're on a show, you're promoting it. Why are you being photographed with someone we fired for being racist? Like, 
it's just not good business. So Whitney, I just think this was a very bad business move on your part. So for all of these business women, empowered business women, you're not very bright, okay? And like I said, this photo is still up. I have a lot taken a lot of pause and I don't understand why Whitney would not ask Jenny to take this photo down, okay? So either you're cool with Jenny keeping it up or Jenny won't take it down, but you see how you got used, Whitney? Like this is just not good. So the photo is still up. I find that highly suspicious. I find their responses highly suspicious. And like I said, if I were Bravo, I would not be happy that this is the distraction you're bringing to the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, especially when I said you're having such a stellar season. So you guys have to let me know. What do you think about Whitney taking this photo with Jenny? What do you think about it still being up? And what do you think about her telling all of us to just fuck off? <laughs> let me know. This was a big week in Housewives universe. We also had the season finale of The Real Housewives of Orange County. Season 17 wrapped up and it did not disappoint. Now, I'm not going to do a full recap, but you guys know pretty much where I stand on this, you know, ongoing drama between Tamara Judge and Heather Debro. I've been telling you on the podcast, I have it on good authority since way back when in production on this season that Tamara was going to go after Heather and that's exactly what we have seen her do episode after episode after episode. I went through it last week uh, quite a bit on my podcast as to why her attempted takedown has failed and the strategy that was involved but you know watching the finale this week and seeing Tamara really like have that confrontation with Heather I mean she was waving her finger in Heather's face and like I guess she wanted Heather to like throw her champagne on her or something I don't know what she was doing but she was unhinged like <laughs> was it entertaining of course like Orange County was on point but is this an unhinged person with like serious issues yes and I like Tamara I like what she brings to the show but if I were a friend or family member of Tamara's, like, her behavior is, is scary. <laughs> it is scary. Because you see her switch, and you see just, it's like her eyes glaze over, and she's just seeing blood. And it was like her and Taylor Armstrong showed up to that finale party, like, re ready to take Heather down. Like Vicky said, they wanted to nail her to the cross. Like, we know you have to deliver a, a finale moment, but, like, when you're stalking your prey and you're looking at the camera and you're like, hey, when should we do it? Should we do it now? Like, this whole strategy, it just makes Tamara and Taylor look especially desperate. So, I mean, it was very funny to watch. Now, the funniest thing about the finale to me was not the actual episode, but it's basically the social media response. And Tamara herself tweeted, you know, she loves Twitter. She has a... A very interesting social team and social strategy but Tamara tweeted the setup and the shot and she tweeted like kind of two group photos from the finale she said and that's a wrap what did you think of the season and I blogged about this on tvdeats.com because I thought the responses were hilarious so here's I'm gonna read a few to you here's one response very difficult to watch the constant attacks on Heather and Jen it seems like everyone got together and planned how this season was going to be a takedown on Heather and vilification of Jen for her choices. That's the story everyone decided on. Here's another one. Tammy Sue, I think you're dead wrong for how you treat your so-called friends. I'm disappointed. And a lot of people 
are also confused as to why Tamara came back and wanted to be the villain. This person asked her that directly. Why would you want to come back just to be the villain of the season? The way you treated Jen and got everyone to gang up on Heather was just disgusting. Now, it's funny, like, it wasn't only Tamara's responses, like the replies to her own tweet that seemed to be calling her out. If you look at the hashtag on Twitter or X, <laughs> you can see that most viewers are disappointed in Tamara's behavior. And actually, it seems like her actions have only pushed people to Heather Dubrow's side. So here are some takes on that. Tamara versus Heather in these ridiculous costumes is everything we needed for an explosive finale leading into the reunion. Tamara has been putting in work all season and here comes Cirque to Heather, turning all the troops back against Tamara in one go. Just artful. Here's another uh, tweet. I don't think there has ever been a housewife with such a nasty and hateful heart. Ironically enough, I blogged about this too. Tamara claimed on the cast trip to Mexico when they were with the shaman that she wanted to get rid of her heart of evil. So I found that tweet kind of funny. Another take. It was a Heather takedown season and it failed spectacularly. Congratulations, ladies. I couldn't stand Heather last season and wanted her gone, and now I'm completely on her side. <laughs> so you have to go look at Tamara's tweets. You have to go look at these responses because she got absolutely red to filthy guys by the Orange County fans. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe she's actually like turned her responses off. So she doesn't want any more tweets about the Orange County finale, even though she asked you for tweets about the Orange County finale. So very interesting. But, you know, like I said on the podcast this week, clearly this was a takedown attempt by Tamara. Clearly it didn't go well. I think Heather comes back looking stronger than ever. Like there's no reason for her to even jump ship to the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills at this point because she has the fan support on Orange County and a lot of the women seem to already be flipping back to her side. Now, Gina, I've talked about this on the podcast as well. Gina has done a lot of interviews talking about how she does see herself as genuine, good friends with uh Heather Dubrow. We also saw Emily Simpson this week tell Bryce Sander from uh, Entertainment Tonight, I believe, that she also kind of regrets her behavior towards Heather and wishes that they had more fun this season. So there are, you know, some of these women are already changing their tunes, flipping back over to the right side. And I think it's going to be very interesting to watch. I think next season you could potentially see Taylor, Shannon and Tamara maybe on a little island of their own. I would love Jen to get a backbone and really flip on Tamara because I don't understand. Other than wanting to keep your job on the show, Jen, I don't understand letting Tamara speak the way she is speaking to you and let her say the things about your relationship. Like, very weird. So I've said it before, Tamara obviously has something on Jen. It's not clicking. But I would like to see next season, you know, Shannon and Tamara and probably Taylor, you know, hey over a few drinks whatever girls talk about like how are you going to get this back on track how are you guys going to get your friendships and your lives back on track because each of you have some issues to deal with and I think it came out in your anger towards Heather this season so you know if this whole group returns which I think is likely very interesting season 18 and hopefully we get some familiar faces back in the mix. That's what I'm hearing when I have things official to tell you. You know, I'll drop it on the podcast first. But you guys, Orange County, very solid season. Let me know. I posted about the finale on all of my social pages. Send me a DM. Do whatever you want. Leave me a five-star review on this podcast. And let me know what you thought of the Orange County season 17 finale. <laughs>
for the segment that you guys all came to this podcast for, The Real Housewives of Potomac. Finally, season eight is here. I have been talking about it on the podcast since I launched this about two months ago, and I've been telling you all about it since they started filming back in April. So I am so happy that the season is finally here, and we can finally talk about all of this crazy drama in Potomac. So Bravo dropped the trailer, cast photos, and bios yesterday, Thursday, September 28th, and it was all done via a People magazine exclusive, and obviously Karen Huger, Giselle Bryant, Ashley Darby, Mia Thornton, Robin Dixon, Candace Dillard-Bassett, and Wendy Osefo are all back. They are going to be joined by new housewife Neka Ahim, and we also have two friends this season. Sharice jo- uh, Jackson-Jordan is back, and we also have Kiana Stewart. I am also told that Jacqueline Blake, who was a friend of the Housewives last season through Mia, will make appearances in a limited guest role, but she is not officially credited. Now, if you've been reading TVDeets.com, you know I told you first and exclusively months ago that NECA had secured a champagne, f- a champagne flute for her first season and that she would be appearing as a full-time housewife. So many people said, no way, they have to demote someone if, if TV Deets is telling the truth. And now you see eight full-time housewives in Potomac. They are doing it, and they have two friends, too. So we got a cast of ten, which is absolutely amazing. Now, before we get into it, I thought, let's just play the trailer right here on the podcast. So let's listen in to the Real Housewives of Potomac Season 8 trailer, courtesy of Bravo and NBC Universal. <laughs> We are all black women, yes. and we're all going through our different things in our lives, and we're gonna embrace that, okay? We're gonna yeah. keep Potomac weird, okay? We don't yeah. Yeah. Do you want me to stop dancing? No, <laughs> never. Right, pretty tight, and get that, that booty right. Ah! Oh my God! I would like to introduce you to Demian Diamond. Who at the table swallows? There is a new grand dame of Potomac. (laughs) If only it were that simple. This season on The Real Housewives of Potomac. contact high with Ganji. <laughs> open up, Giselle. I'm wide open. <laughs> Bam! I got okay. your mole with the t- two pieces of hair coming uh-huh. out. <laughs> did that too. Ladies, this is my friend Neko I was telling you about. Hello, everyone. My daddy's a rich bitch, and he made sure his daughter was a rich bitch, too. Thanks for buying me a $2 million house. I most definitely think that you married Michael for his money. Did you marry Gordon for his money? I might have. I actually had um, retained a divorce attorney. I come to bed and you're sleeping. Yeah, because you come to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning. Why do I feel so guilty? <laughs> I feel like you're ready and prepared to go to college. Yeah. But it is like ripping my heart out. 
Oh, God, I need you to find some new tricks, OK? You are the trick. The mother who is suing me is still married to the woman sitting in there. Kiss my okay, ass. OK, walk away so I can see it. Why I was in the nail salon? Why I was in the laundromat? Why I was at the hotel? That's a fun moment. People always got something to say. I don't care. I turn into a villain. I didn't do shit nutty Wendy's mom started saying that she has a shrine. She's and doing voodoo on you? My mom worships our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. At day, by night, she's, she's submitting names to shrines. I got the mother bazooka come at me the again. Just shut up. No, I'm not shutting up. Shut up. I ain't listening to your raggedy ass. Now, isn't that the best Real Housewives trailer of 2023? I am not joking, you guys, when I said that. They're gonna bring it this season, and they are our true Bravo comedy queens. So much was teased in that trailer, but I loved that they also held, like, so much back. I've told you about a lot on the podcast. I've vlogged about a lot on tvdeets.com. Not only was I first to tell you about NECA being a full-time housewife, I also told you first about Kiana Stewart being added as a friend, and she's not even in the trailer, so there is a lot missing. We saw a little glimpse of their cast trip to Texas, but it was such a quick flash. So we have a group trip uh, to Texas, and then we also have a big trip to Dominican Republic. So lots that was not even included in the trailer. Even some stuff between the husbands, so I think that's interesting that that was left out, but there is some drama and some tension amongst the men. And I think we're going to see that, especially as we hit kind of the mid-season of season eight. Now, I blogged about it a bit on tvdeets.com. I called it an MD off between Neka Ahim and Wendy Osefo. That's because, as we all know, Wendy is a, she has a doctorate, Dr. Wendy Osefo. And Neka's husband is actually a medical doctor. So you heard it here first, but they are going to trade some barbs over who is a real doctor and who is just a fake MD or something like that. So you're going to hear that tit for tat right in the first half of the season. Obviously, I've been telling you guys about it for a while. Lots to come between NECA and Wendy. And you can even see that uh, Wendy's mom is involved as well. So that will be entertaining. Some other things I noticed in the trailer that I told you about first was we can see Karen Huger's pickleball event at the beginning of the season. That's actually where you see that interaction between Wendy and Neca. Now, I tweeted and told you months and months ago that there was a literal fire on set that day, and you can see that in the trailer. They blamed it on some voodoo. Um, so lots left out and lots to come from Karen's pickleball event. But, you know, I really appreciated this trailer. I think that... Housewives fans are so finicky nowadays, like, you know, you guys called The Real Housewives of Atlanta boring, and then you can't stop talking about how good and refreshing the reboot is. It's just so stupid. So, a lot of times, these opinions are all over the place. I'm more consistent. I personally appreciated this trailer. I think the editing is on point. Like, having it look like an old-school sitcom is 
is right on point for the Potomac ladies because, as I've said, they are the true comedy queens of Bravo. They are so funny. Like, they're up there with Married to Medicine and RHOA, obviously. But Potomac is just so funny. Now, also in this trailer, we got a lot of Robin and Juan, which is what everyone wanted to see more of last year. Now, we know Juan was photographed with numerous women, like one, two, three, four women during filming for this season, and you can see it comes up, and Ron doesn't, uh, Juan doesn't give a fuck, which I just thought was wild, but word on the street is, that is the word on the street, Juan doesn't give a fuck, and that's why that situation is, you know, the way it is, but we see Robin you know, definitely feeling the heat from the other women. She ends up crying and saying, you know, how did I end up the villain? What did I do to the, I didn't do anything to the rest of you. And it's kind of interesting to me because, you know, I'm not here to see Robin cry, but I do think it's interesting. She's showing like a different side of her personality and being more vulnerable. We haven't really seen that side before, but Robin, like, it's just your turn. Like, you have spent quite a few seasons going after other women on this cast. So to be saying, what did I do to you guys? Like, I don't know if you've really been a true friend to, like, six out of these eight women, but we'll see. So I think you're going to get some comeuppance. Candace Dillard-Bassett, she has said she has a rough season, and you can see it in the trailer. I mean, her bio, you guys, <laughs> is very interesting. Let me read to you her official bio from Bravo. It says, Candace Dillard Bassett is extremely busy touring her Deep Space Deluxe album in multiple cities, but bankrolling the cost is taking its toll on her and Chris, and she needs to figure out her next move. Already stressed out, she becomes even more anxious due to a recent health discovery. Within the group, relationships are strained as Candace is going through her usual on-again, off again with Ashley, not speaking with Giselle, and going through a rough patch with Robin. <laughs> now, I don't know if it's just me, but this bio, you guys, is so shady. Like, they literally said, bankrolling the cost of her music career is taking a toll on her and Chris, and she needs to figure out her next move. It then also says, relationships are strained as Candace is going through her usual on and off again relationship with Ashley, not speaking with Giselle, and going through a rough patch with Robin. So basically, in short, Bravo is like, Candace is doing what Candace has always done. She hates who she has always hated. And I think that is so funny. Wendy obviously has a big season. We see some issues with Eddie. They will actually launch Eddie's cannabis line this season. I had also mentioned that on a previous podcast, but he has openly talked about that as well. So he will be launching a business. You're going to see that this season. And, you know, lots to come from the Grand Dame as well. Like I said, this is a big season for Karen. You will see her celebrate what they're calling her triple 20 milestone, age 60. And I don't know if you saw that photo I posted online of her looking absolutely stunning at her birthday party, but it was incredible. And you can see in this trailer that Karen and Giselle have called a truce and they seem to be close friends or closer than they ever have. And Karen is actually facing off against Mia for spreading rumors and Robin for not being upfront with the group. So Karen is going to be carrying the season for you guys. You can see it in the trailer, left, right, and center. I mean, Robin's comeback is blah, 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 blah. So if that's all you have to say for like against Karen Huger, I think you're in trouble. And this just harkens back to a uh, tweet I had posted, an exclusive statement from Karen a few weeks ago where Karen was basically calling out 
Giselle and Robin for talking about her on our podcast and people have said oh they don't talk about Karen on their podcast and they do you just need to listen to the Patreon where they charge people so go listen to that and you will hear and you will pick up on the Karen shade and basically you can see they were trying to kind of spin that like Karen comes after Robin this season or whatever but it's like Karen is just trying to hold Robin accountable for what we all saw last season with Juan and then keep in mind during filming like I said all of these photos of Juan with other women pop up so I mean what is it with Karen she's either like Robin said last year you're supposed to you know you're supposed to bring this stuff to my attention so now Karen's doing that and you're getting the blah 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 treatment like Robin can't even <laughs> pick a side or uh, uh, choose a leg to stand on. So I find that hilarious. But lots of them to come in the season. But I actually wanted to share some exclusive Real Housewives of Potomac scoop with you on this podcast. This is a, I want to say worldwide exclusive. I'm worldwide, didn't you know that? No one has reported on this. I have been sitting on this for weeks, but now that the Potomac trailer is out, I can say a little bit more. So you saw in the trailer that Mia Thornton is, you know, in therapy with Gordon. We have Ashley asking her if she married Gordon for money, and she's kind of like, maybe. Um, and you see them in that therapy session, and, you know, Mia says she actually consulted a divorce lawyer. Now, insiders close to the Real Housewives of Potomac tell TD Deets exclusively that Mia Thornton and her husband Gordon have actually been separated for months. So this is not a new separation. They have been separated for months and are in essence living separate lives. Now, I'm told their separation is amicable. I think you can see in the trailer that Gordon doesn't necessarily want his marriage to end. I don't know if Gordon's going to be able to prevent that from happening, but it is amicable in the sense of Gordon wants to make it work and Gordon wants to get along with Mia. But I can tell you exclusively that Mia Thornton and Gordon have been separated for months. And that is what you're seeing in the trailer. Now, I teased on last week's episode of the podcast when I told you that the Real Housewives of Potomac trailer would be coming soon. I said there was something in the trailer that would shock the other women that the women did not know about. And what I was referring to was Mia's separation. So the scenes that you are seeing with Mia and Gordon are just with Mia and Gordon. And I'm told that during filming, the women did not understand the... I want to say gravity of their relationship. They didn't share that kind of side with them. And it was really kept private and just kept private for the Bravo cameras. Now, you heard my cell phone go off in this last segment. The streets of Potomac are talking and they're telling me what's up. And that's the truth, you guys. They've been separated for months. The women did not know. Uh, within the last two weeks, I believe Gordon ended up telling the men, and so he told some of the husbands, Eddie and uh, Juan, maybe Chris, and obviously the men would have told the women. So I'm I'm kind of under, it's my understanding, I should say, that Mia has not really spoken to the other ladies about her separation or divorce, pending divorce, uh, but it is known within the group, and that was kind of a big surprise. So when the women saw that in the trailer, 
again, it's my understanding they did not understand the full kind of status of Mia's relationship. But like I said, Mia and Gordon have been separated for months and are moving towards divorce, unfortunately. Like I said, I'm told it's amicable. And, you know, when I have more details, when I'm able to share more information about why or what's going on, I will, and I'll bring it to the podcast first. But that's the exclusive scoop on The Real Housewives of Potomac. Now, just to tag on, I'm sure you guys saw this in the news this week, but just a few days ago, Monique and Chris Samuels, former Real Housewives of Potomac stars and former Love and Marriage DC stars, have finalized their divorce. Now, I'm bringing this up because I told you like a year ago that Chris and Monique were separated and no one really believed me. Monique denied it and went on this whole thing, but you can now see they are officially divorced. Their divorce is finalized and in Maryland, I'm told you have to be separated legally for a year prior to making that happen. So that would line up with right when TVDs told you what was going down. And that ended up kind of resulting in Monique leaving Love and Marriage DC, but their divorce is finalized. So unfortunately, some unhappy family news in Potomac, but that's the scoop and you know I'm going to give it to you straight. Just to wrap up, I loved The Real Housewives of Potomac trailer. It uh, premieres November 5th on Bravo at 8, 7 central. I told you about that premiere date a month ago as well, just to rub that in some more. And it's actually going to lead into Married to Medicine season 10. So Sundays are going to be fantastic, you guys. Shady Sundays are back. I love it. The photo shoot, I will mention as well. Gorgeous. I'm happy that they finally have like a bigger set and they're giving Potomac that budget. And honestly, I think they look fantastic. Giselle, MVP, Karen, you look fantastic. Wendy looks amazing. Ashley, like these photos are it, you guys. I'm very, very happy. Now, some other tea as well I did post already, but just to recap here on the podcast, Sharice Jackson-Jordan and uh, Kiana Stewart are official friends of the Housewives, I have confirmed. Now, I did tell you early on Sharice would not be back as a full-time cast member. I was told they weren't even interested in her as a friend, but if you listen to the podcast and read tvdeets.com, you know I've been telling you about Sharice filming all season as well. She didn't go on the trip, so I don't know how much is involved there, whereas Kiana was on uh, the trip. So I think mid-season, it should be very interesting to see where we go with that. Now... You guys will remember as well, there was a huge brawl that had to deal with the Real Housewives of Potomac. I told you about that brawl exclusively first as well. It happened between Kiana Stewart, who is a new friend to the show, and Deborah Williams, who is Ashley Darby's friend in real life. Now, Deborah Williams is not an official cast member or friend on the Real Housewives of Potomac. And I'm told that is why the fight was not included in the trailer. If you remember back to when this fight actually went down, Bravo had actually released a statement, I believe, to the Daily Mail where they said that the fight did not involve any cast members and therefore would not be included. Who knows if that is going to, you know, remain true once we get through this season. I find it hard to believe you would not be able to include this fight because it does actually involve full-time housewives they don't want you to think that but it does involve full-time housewives or why that group was fighting and why that went down but again with these new rules that bravo has around workplace conduct guidelines for their reality shows like who knows whether they're going to include this 
Now, I'm also told that this fight is the reason why Kiana Stewart does not have an official photo, despite her being a friend of the Housewives. You'll remember, I told you on a previous podcast, that the photo shoot for The Real Housewives of Potomac Season 8 was actually the day after the Season 8 finale. So they taped on like a Friday or Saturday, I think it was a Saturday, and on Sunday they took the group photos. Now, because the fight had happened just days earlier, Kiana and Deborah were not at the finale. So they will not be at the finale. They were not invited. Production did not want them there. At the photo shoot, I am guessing it's the same reason that Kiana was in recovery from the fight and or not allowed to be at the photo shoot due to some sort of investigation. And that's why there is no photo. Now, fast forward, she is confirmed to be an official friend of the Housewives via People's Exclusive, as well as NBC Universal's press release. And I, too, have confirmed she will be a friend of the Housewives. Who knows if she will actually get a photo, but that's some exclusive tea for you as well, too. That is why she doesn't currently have one. It's because that photo shoot happened literally the day after the finale, which was only two or three days after this brawl. So go back and listen to my Real Housewives of Potomac podcast. You can get some scoop uh, from, you know, when the Housewives were filming this season. And you guys, like I said, lots more to come. I have lots more to share. I joked about it. I'm probably going to need to start a Patreon, though, because I have so much to share. I just, I can't share it on this large (laughs) platform because I always, you know, I don't always want certain people to hear it at certain times. So I may be starting a Patreon, look out for that, and that will be my way to bring you even a more exclusive tea more often. But for now, let me know what you thought of the Real Housewives of Potomac Season 8 trailer. Again, it premieres November 5th at 8, 7 central, only on Bravo. For my final segment this week, what I'm watching, I try to tell you guys about other unscripted programs, non-Bravo related, that I am watching, but this week I kind of have something interesting to tell you about. You know I'm a huge true crime fan, and I know a lot of you guys are the same way. Reality fans, we're kind of a special bunch. We like that lifestyle reality TV, and we like a little true crime. So, I don't know if you guys have heard of this franchise over on Oxygen. It's called Real Murders Of, and Oxygen is actually owned by NBC, and that's why it has this the same name as The Real Housewives, but it's called Real Murders Of, and there's a few of them. There's Real Murders Of Orange County. I believe they have a Real Murders Of New York, and basically each episode takes a look, unfortunately, at a story of true crime, uh, where, like I said, ends up in murder. Now, Oxygen is actually launching a new spinoff of this called Real Murders of Los Angeles, and they have done some brilliant casting over at NBC Universal because they have tapped Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Garcelle Bouvet's, to be the narrator of this new show, Real Murders of Los Angeles. So I love it. It's going to be really cool. It's like a straightforward true crime, episodic, you know, case by case uh show but you know they do a pretty good job with the other ones with the orange county ones and with the new york ones and it's funny because they always line it up with like the new seasons of housewives so 
when Orange County comes on, even if they haven't announced the premiere date, I always know it's coming up because, like, real murders of Orange County will return. And then, like, two months later, we'll see Orange County Housewives. So I definitely think this was a very, very smart move on NBC's part to actually get a real housewife to host this format because that's definitely what they were trying to do and they're trying to get both viewers so makes total sense i'm also told i just reading there was a real murders of atlanta as well which is very good so this real murders of los angeles narrated by, by garcelle premieres friday october 6th at 9 8 central on oxygen i watch it on hey you here in canada i'm sure it's on peacock in the states but Definitely check it out, and that's a new gig for Garcelle. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the TV Deets podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed my takes on... Real Housewives of New York City and Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, as well as the Orange County finale and Heather Dubrow versus Tamara Judge, or should I say Tamara Judge versus Heather Dubrow. And of course, I give you all my thoughts on the Real Housewives of Potomac trailer and some exclusive scoop about the cast and where things stand and Mia and Gordon, unfortunately, heading, I'm told, for divorce. You guys know I keep it real. I'm going to continue to bring you all the scoop here on the podcast, but make sure you go to tvdeets.com. Check out the ratings tab if you want to look at this week's numbers and lots of cool blogs on there about other shows I haven't been covering on the podcast, like The Real Housewives of Lagos, which is coming back with an absolutely amazing second season. I've been covering even stuff here in Canada, like Chorus canceling Entertainment Tonight Canada and what that means for the TV industry here as well as talking all about Love and Hip Hop Atlanta and Erica Mina so much. So make sure you go to tvdeeds.com to check out what else I am talking about in the reality world. And like I said, send me a DM, send me a comment, let me know what you think of the podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback and chat with you about all of the segments, all of the shows that we're discussing. And if you do one thing today, please send this podcast to someone else, give it a listen, and leave me a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Um, that would be absolutely amazing, and it does wonders for the show. And while I'm talking about the podcast, I should mention I did read that Google Podcasts will be no longer uh, in the coming weeks. Just know that the TVDeets podcast is available on every other platform, so be sure to subscribe. Go to tvdeets.com slash subscribe for more information on where you can get this podcast if you're listening via Google. Every other platform is here to stay, and I'm going to continue to bring you the piping hot tea every week, every Friday. That's it for now. Thanks again, and I hope you guys have an awesome weekend.